Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing, recorded at the PW offices in New York City. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. But I'm Heidi McDonald. I'm the Graphic Novels Review Editor for Publishers Weekly, as well as the Editor-in-Chief of Comics Beat at comicsbeat.com. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer. And you can find us online at pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com. And you need to check us out on Twitter. I'm P at PWComicsWorld. And don't forget, you can subscribe to more to come on iTunes. Uh, and on Facebook, we're at facebook.com slash pwcomicsworld. And if you're listening to this podcast, don't forget to give us a review on iTunes. Please rate us. Give us stars. Give us stars, take away stars, but just let us know what you're yes. thinking. We really like getting feedback. If you want to uh, write us a letter, a letter, you know, you can put it in the mail. Send us an email. You can just hit send or tweet at us or Tumblr at us or something. But we do love getting your feedback and uh, we love getting ratings on iTunes. Yeah, give us a, a rating of some kind. Yeah, and, and just tell us what you think because sometimes we get, just from discussions with the few listeners that we actually bump into in person, Great ideas for future podcasts. Yeah, and you know, I think, aren't we up to almost our 300th podcast? Yes. Yes, yeah. we are. Well, we're we're about 20 away. Yeah. And you know, we're also... Uh, and our 11th anniversary. And more <laughs> downloads, really, than we've ever had uh, in our entire it, it, it cannot. It cannot <laughs> possibly be our 11th anniversary, Heidi, because I've only worked here for nine That's years. That's true. But wasn't it like, oh no, I remember that we were trying to do an anniversary show. But somehow or other, that didn't... Oh, yeah, I know. But it's, it's a separate thing. It's yeah, all running together in my head. Yeah, I don't know okay. who I am. We did do some sort of... Our, uh, yeah, but it show. certainly wasn't the 11th. We no. haven't the anniversary. <laughs> what was that? You know, it was PW Comics World. Remember, we were going to try to do the newsletter. Yes, and then yes, they yes. canceled it the week <laughs> before. canceled the so, newsletter. Yes, that's what it all was. All right, okay. This week on More to Come. Uh, uh, reports from the Small Press Expo and from the Brooklyn uh, Book Festival. Um, uh, from comics at the Brooklyn Book Festival. And... Uh, we're going to take a look at the New York Comic Con preview uh, feature that's in uh, the print magazine this week. Also, the mismanagement of the New Yorker Cartoon Bank. And also, we're going to have a Euro Comics Roundup. And remembering um, the late, great Lynn Wee. So, Small Press Expo. All right. Well, Calvin and I were both down there, and it was awesome. So, yep, that's it. All right. Anyway. Heidi. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, what do we say? Every year, we just... You know, this is the feel good. It is, it There's really just is. no one who doesn't smile at Small Press Expo. I mean, maybe a few grumpuses who didn't sell all the books. <laughs> you know, whenever anybody says they don't have a good table on the floor, you know, they just weren't selling very much. <laughs> but um, other than really, is there not, a bad no, spot no, in that, in that no, hall? There really no is. No, I mean, it really is almost impossible to be to be sad at Small Press Expo. Well, What's so um, awesome about it, Heidi? Uh, well, well, for one thing, it's really self-contained. I'm not Heidi, but that's my, uh, <laughs> that's my, it's really self-contained and convenient and easy, I think, uh, certainly to attend. Right. It is, exactly. You know, I think we've compared it to FlameCon a few times in that the Marriott that houses FlameCon and the Marriott that has a small press expo are obviously based on the same architectural kind yes. of ideal. <laughs> um, so... Uh, except I guess Flamecon's a little smaller. It's definitely it's definitely, it's definitely smaller. Smaller, yeah. but it has this kind of the same like layout at the show mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And um, I mean, it's all in a big ballroom, yeah. you know, essentially. Yeah. But I, I would say Flamecon at this point is about half the size. Yeah, I'd say of, that's of about SPX. right. But um, you know, it it really is the one show where everybody comes to the hotel, checks in, stays at the hotel from Friday night until uh, Sunday night. And just hangs out together. There's no separatist groups. Um, you know, I'd like to, I've said this many times. It's the only awards on uh, Saturday night to give out the Ignatz Awards. It is the only awards that attendees race back from dinner to get to. <laughs> That's what happened when I used, every, used to be able to go. Right, yeah. Every other awards are a tedious duty that is, like, dreaded. But Why the, are the Ignats so awesome? Because, well, they used to be super short. They used to be only half an hour long. Mm-hmm. And there's a party afterwards where you get drink tickets. And, uh, you know, that's a feature that some other awards, um, cough, cough, Eisner's, cough, cough, might want to <laughs> note. And they have a chocolate fountain since they moved to this uh, hotel that has a really good catering. And uh, one of the past directors of Small Press Expo had the genius idea of looking on the catering menu and seeing that they had a chocolate fountain. 
And uh, for some reason, having a chocolate fondue really appealed to people, and it just kind of captured the imagination. And so it is now tradition. It is now tradition. But SPX has a lot of traditions, and they added a new one this year, which was karaoke on Friday night. Um, And they're all team-building traditions. You know, they're the kind of things that bring young people together. There's a lot of very young cartoonists at Small Mm. Press Expo. Uh, A lot of them, it's their comics camp sleepaway for the year, and they really look forward to it as a means of um, having camaraderie with their fellow cartoonists. They added a karaoke night this year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and on memory, I want to get his name right because yeah. uh, he I, passed away. But anyway, probably go on. Well, I haven't actually up. been to the next in a couple of years because I, uh, because of my duties at the Brooklyn Book Festival, I go down on Saturday and, and I come back uh, for the Sunday events in, in Brooklyn. But when I did go to the Ignats, I recalled them just being doggone fun. Um, uh, very informal, still very meaningful. I mean, people really do, uh, really are touched and moved to win these awards. But, you know, there's just a sense of fun and hilarity, uh, I find, uh, good-natured hilarity around, uh, around the event. So, okay. I miss being able, not being, uh, I miss going to them. Yeah, and you know, listen to, you know, full disclosure, although no one probably remembers this, but, uh, you know, I hosted the Advance Awards for three years. So, um, I do have some experience in it, and it was always a question of getting people in and out very quickly because uh, other awards might go on for a very, very long time. I remember like, when you like did the it, Harvey right? Awards, yes. which last for five hours. Oh and my God, that's to... too long. Well, not all of it is awarding. Some of it is eating and drinking, but still, it's, it's still a too long. Very long experience. And anyway, so the Ignatz is now. This year was by far the longest Ignatz ceremony ever. It went on for uh, about an hour, which is still short. I mean, this is really short in yeah, yeah. the larger scheme yeah. of things. Yeah. And there uh, are panels that are longer than yes. that. Yes, and people tend to be very, very heartfelt at the Ignatzes. And this year was really, um, you know, a video. I'm sure is going to go up on YouTube. They almost always put it up on YouTube. And it was very, very heartfelt. I mean, presenter at, and a, and winner after winner came up and just talked about uh, the fellowship that they felt at Small Press Festival mm-hmm. and the community. It, it really is community building and uh, just how welcome they felt and how open they felt about it. And this year was definitely uh, several winners who were uh, African-American cartoonists and including, um, let's see, I want to make sure I get the names right here. Uh, well, Ben Passmore won for Your Black Friend, which was a, a mini comic, a web comic that really... Was the talk of the town, you know. It's I nominated for an Eisner, and it lost to. Uh, it did not win the Eisner, but it did win the Ignatz. Uh, he gave quite a, a uh, speech. Also, Tanika Stotts, who was the editor of Fire Elements, a, yeah. uh, a oh. anthology of African American creators. Kickstarter funded, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's mm-hmm. it's, it. Definitely fits in. You know, a lot of diverse anthologies are funded mm-hmm. by Kickstarter. I mean, this could be a whole study in and of itself. Uh, and then Nance Hirsch and Yuka Oda won uh, for uh, Best Collection for the Johnny Wanderer, Cats yes. More Famous mm-hmm. Than Us. And uh, all of these uh, winners, um, there's one more. I don't want to forget who that is. Oh, also, uh, Best Newcomer was um, Bianca Zunis won. Uh-huh. And uh, she wasn't able to be there. But they all gave very, they said speeches that were very, very, very powerful, heartfelt speeches. Um, just about. And know, of course, Best Graphic Novel. Himmel Ferris. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But I was talking and, about the black ones. <laughs> well, yeah. she's part of the diversity. I mean, diversity was the, really the theme. Yeah, there. I know. And, but I think it was very sure. specifically about race this year. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you were... You, you I wasn't invited, there. Mm-hmm. Yes, you weren't there. And uh, very, very specifically. I mean, Emil definitely won. And she also had a very moving speech about that. But, uh, you know, and I, I... I mean, I don't know. I... You know, Calvin, you can speak more of this, but... Obviously, the times we're living in, uh, with the rise of white supremacy, really have people um, speaking out. Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, um, I mean, it, it, you can also check. I mean, the report that we wrote for for um, for uh, PW Comics World, our online coverage. Um, uh, you know, what's it? What was it? Politics takes center stage. Mm-hmm. I mean, certainly race was a was a key issue and probably an overwhelming issue uh, at the Ignets. But really, diversity and all of the issues around community and marginalized people seem to really be on absolutely. display this year. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Obviously in Emil Ferris's book, it has a central character, a young girl who's, who's gay and, and, and deal really with her. really likes monsters. And really loves monster and monster fanzines. Um, 
But um, uh, uh, also, um, Tilly Walden's book was a major book yes, at, at the show, she spinning was a huge her, star at the her show. graphic memoir. Um, you know about her life as an elite figure skater and being gay. Uh, so I think what we're seeing, and I mean, I think these speeches about community are about uh, you know about self preservation, about survival in a in a in a under a political regime that's hostile to us based on race, but almost every other kind of marginalized factor mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I mean, Emil Ferris is also disabled. Yes, I mean, God absolutely. Forbid, you know, I mean, she is on all. Uh, in, yeah. Uh, but I, I, it is really the welcoming community building uh, of uh, SPX that really people. Yes. And, you know, it's kind of legend. I mean, I mean, really, it is like San Diego Comic-Con for young cartoonists because, it, it the, you know, they dream of going to Small Press Expo, and it's super cheap to go. I mean, mm-hmm. the hotel room's only $126 a yeah, night. I mean, it's so you get four people in a room, it's like, you know, $60 to go. And I know from the Beach Report, you talked about Ananth and, and mm-hmm. Uda, or Ananth talking about his, what, his parents dropping him off there as a kid at the old uh, at the SPX? Old SPX yeah. yeah, you know, um... Uh, and just the embrace that he got there from like talking with Jeff Smith, you know. Right, so, yeah. uh, and no, uh, but what is also very interesting is just how quickly it is turning over, though. I mean, I will say it's like I've been to almost every small press expo. Uh, I think this is the 21st, I've probably been to 20 or 19 of them. And, um, you know, when you let's just say 10 years ago, I would love to read our story about it and see who were the bells of the ball then mm-hmm. because I think there was a very much more of an emphasis on uh, probably what we call literary comics at that point, you know, like Fantagraphics, Ron Quarterly. Yes. I mean, mm-hmm. they were certainly there and selling tons of books, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, people, I, I would even say 10 years ago, people like Anders Nilsson and Kevin Hazenga mm-hmm. and Sammy Harkum and kind of that Kramer Zergit generation. That's it. That's sure. exactly what it is. The Kramer Zergit generation was definitely doing the roost. <laughs> Not anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, they definitely have fans. They're definitely selling books, but it really has moved over to web comics. Yeah, uh, good point. Yeah, um, and the ability for them to go from the web to print, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and, yeah. in very handsome editions. Um, but you know, the the the, the, the pu- those kinds of publishers of Top Shelf, for instance, is there, and they were there with uh, an interesting group of publishers, and particularly this new kid, um, Chris Gooch, is yes, Australian. Australian yes. uh, he's got a new book, Bottles, um, best described as this millennial thriller. It's really interesting. If you love, if you want to read a book about really awful people doing really <laughs> awful things to each other, and they all happen to be millennials, uh, this is the book for you. And it really is it's hard to put it down once you start reading it. Um, uh, Nate Powell was there actually with a big omnibooks. Uh, Omni, I think it's and called the Omnibox. The Omnibox, the Omnibox yes. But it's a collection of his pre-March graphic novels. And this kid, um, Aaron Nation. Yes, Aaron Nation. His book, yeah. I think, is really going to be, because it's a very heartfelt and really kind of, and and funny, uh, book about the gender transition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to call out two cartoonists who were in our, um, you know, top ten books of the fall. Both were there, both sold out. Yeah. Um, Sophie Goldstein with House yeah. of Women, which is like the science fiction uh, you know, I think I compared this in when I reviewed it to Black Narcissus, and I saw on social media that Sophie said she had to leave her table because it turned out that, that they were playing Black Narcissus on the hotel, and she ran up and see it, which is this movie uh, from the 50s that was made by um, Michael Powell and Neil Pressburger, who are these... Uh, Michael Powell made these really beautiful, lush, visually stunning mm-hmm. films. Like he had a long, tw- you know, long for then twenty year career of these movies. And Black Narcissus is believed to be his most beautiful movie. Yeah. It's about a bunch of nuns who go to the Himalayas to be in a nunnery, and there's one like you know white English trader who comes and he creates havoc among the nuns. And then there's there's Himalayan mountains and evil cloud gods and lush forests and passions. And it's really one of the most amazingly beautiful books but house of women is absolutely based on this, oh, interesting. this kind of it, it is definitely a riff on the whole black narcissus um kind of template i guess i'd say yeah. the other book that sold out was um sophia foster domino's sex mm. fantasy which is a book i just adore um that was from koyama press uh which there was a salute to uh annie koyama yes, and the press 10 year anniversary uh, which is, uh, and I actually was able to uh, talk with her afterwards. That panel is so, as I told her, it's so full of love. 
for Annie Koyama that I felt energized for the rest of the day. Well, she can't. She's the most loved person. In <laughs> yes, comics. I easily. don't think there's too much uh, hands down. Too much competition for that. No, right. sadly, but yeah, a great, a great okay. time. So, yeah, another really great uh, SBX. Uh, there were some great panels. Uh, Eleanor Davis talking with Jillian Tamaki. Um, and yeah, so I, I, you know, just really quickly, I mean, I didn't really spell this out, but um, two years ago, all the It Dances were won by female cartoonists. Yes. Last year, two were won by men. One was Sam Bosma, and the other was Noah Van Skyver. Uh, this year, no white men won an Ignatz. Um, you know, Anath Hirsch won one, Bad Passmore won one, and everyone else was a woman. And really, like, I mean, that's four male winners. You know, let's be generous and, uh, and allow, you know, men of color into the list. But um, really, four male winners in three years. And, and I mean, you know, when you said Julian Tamaki and L.R. Davis, there was a huge line a half an hour mm. before that panel. And obviously they're superstars and, you know, very wrapped um, audience. I mean, Tilly Walden, people were hanging out her every word. But I, I mean, honestly, like we've been joking about it for a long time, but they're all of the emerging voices in comics women, are female. Women are getting it done. And um, it's amazing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I will say that it's funny then that so many of the new creators snapped up by Marvel and DC are men. Well, yes and no, actually. Yeah. I would actually say that Marvel and... Um, I, actually, I think DC is a little bit slower, although they're catching on. I do think Marvel has actually been hiring a lot of, of women, that mostly artists, though. I mean, like Erica Henderson and... Um, I'm not saying none. I'm just saying yeah. that like when you look at the vast talent pool yes. of new female creators... And then you look at the percentages of well, who gets hired by out of the pool of yeah, of but most of them wouldn't new be caught count. dead working. At I... Well, see, that's my point. That's what I was trying to say. These the women we're talking about here, they're not interested in working for Marvel or DC. No. Well, I mean, but it's it's a and they a, wouldn't really. F- I don't know if they would really fit. Well, I mean, <laughs> but does Squirrel Girl fit? Do any number of of does well, Margaret yeah. benefit? I well, mean, like. The, what I'm saying is, I'm not saying all of them, but I'm saying that yeah. if you've got this pool of comics talent, from which, I mean, frankly, a lot of people who get drawn into superhero comics, if you looked at their earlier work, you wouldn't have thought they'd end up there. Yeah, no. That, that, like, a lot, it is a lot of people who are doing superhero comics right now, or who have a couple years as the hot new thing before they move back to doing what they did before, are, are young men who do something arty, get a little buzz, yeah. would get hired by Marvel or DC, and then maybe would move on with their lives a little later. But it's, I mean, the numbers are just kind of like not what you would expect no, looking I, at the vast number a, of female creators. It's a good point. It's a very good point. Um, I, I mean, I do think I'd say, let's just be It's improving. It's, it's improving. improving. But there could but be more. I will say, like, for Jillian Tabaki, I mean, obviously, big break a book that one summer and you know her cousin Mariko is writing comics yeah, she everywhere. Is writing. Yeah, she is true. writing for Marvel. So so they they, they could do a yeah. lot more Kate. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah Absolutely. And, and typically the women get recruited as as artists. Yes. Yeah. Not as writers. Yeah. Yeah. Although and, you know although for instance I could see uh, Mariko being a writer. But I, I you know it's hard for me to see Jillian even wanting Well I'm not speaking to do. I'm not saying specifically Jillian Tamaki. Yeah. I mean Individual creators have their own preferences. I'm just looking at this talent pool where we're like, wow, do any young men even do comics? And then you look at the the big two and you're like, ah, I see. So, you know, whatever. Yeah, but... Didn't mean to rain anyone's but, break. But, but even I mean, so, even that is improving. Yeah, but, yeah. But, but look at it this way. We talk about this every other week here on the podcast or every other episode, like about yeah. how the audience from Marvel and DC are declining. And, you know... But I think that's why they're declining. Well, that's exactly what I'm saying. It's like, you know, I don't think that they're, you know, they're not staying up to date with the Steven Universe and uh, Rick and and Morty fan base. Another thing is, I mean, there's certainly no shortage of men doing indie-style alt-comics. No, I'm I'm And the women are still winning all the prizes. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) So, that's all. But (laughs) if you go to, um, I've said this many, many times, so just, to, but, you know, I, I need to come up with a shorthand name for it, but it's like the uh, cartoon college, can, you know, like, if you go to any cartooning school, 75% yeah. of the students are women now. I mean, there actually are fewer men studying 
yeah. uh, comics, making comics anymore, and they're really not making a a mark. You know, I mean, there's a few people like Ben Sears, Ben Erkowitz, but anyway, yeah. yeah. It's More interesting to see the demographics. Well, not about Brooklyn. When, yeah. when I was off cavorting in Bethesda, what was going on in Brooklyn? Um, in Brooklyn, there were um, um, more comics event related events, uh, I think, than uh, we've ever had. Now, I was only able to get to two of the panels, but they were really terrific panels. Um, I got to the um, uh, novelist write comics panel, which was really terrific. Um, uh, Benjamin Percy, who does Green Arrow, um, Victor Laval, who was like on. P.W.'s um, best book list for one of his novels. I mean, a really highly regarded literary novelist who's doing this series Destroyer for Dynamite. Uh, and, and the most, and the, the delightful Gabby Rivera, who has a wonderful, and I'm embarrassed, she has a wonderful um, uh, YA graphic novel of just about a great um, queer Latina. I mean, I can't remember the title of it. I'm sorry. She's delightful. She's Not the like one a, from Marvel, though. No, this I mean, this is her prose novel. What she's doing for Marvel this is America. 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 America yeah. Yes. Um, but she's a delight. I mean, and she pumped it up with a little Bronx energy. Um, uh, and Joan Hilty, Joan uh, Hilty was the, the moderator. In fact, um, Aletha Martinez was supposed to, but uh, she came down with the concrete coming down from Boston and couldn't do it. But uh, that was a great panel as they talked about the various ways that they approached doing it uh, and how much they wanted to be involved in the comics world. Um, uh, Gabby talking about how she didn't know anything about it. Marvel was very open to her, brought her in. Um, Benjamin just talked about how um, the schedule, doing things right away. He's doing this, you know, he's doing stuff about, you know, white nationalism and, and neo-Nazis and how, you know, if he was writing a novel, you know, he'd write it and it wouldn't come out for three years. Yeah, right. <laughs> but if you're writing comics, it's coming out the next week. Well, um, well, you know, in, in a month or two, yeah, it's coming. Out. It's still within range yeah. of the issue as it's as it's happening. So anyway, that that was fabulous. Then the uh, the other panel that I was able to attend was it was kind of a hot graphic novels panel, and it inclu- it was moderated by Cassandra Pelham, who has like a murderer's row uh, list at graphics. I mean, she does Raina. Telgum and I are, she does um, uh, the, um, uh, uh, oh, the amulet. Kazoo. Kabo. Kazoo, yes. Um, she's got a great list of, of authors. So she moderated a panel. Basically, it's a list of people that have really hot graphic novels coming out now, including um, Tony Medina, who is a playwright and a young adult author who's got a really interesting book coming out. I just finished reading it called... Um, I am Alfonso Jones, a graphic novel basically about Black Lives Matter and um, the aftermath of a police shooting set in Harlem. And the artist by um, Stacey Robinson and John Jennings, uh, otherwise known as Black Kirby, for this <laughs> frenzied, uh, you know, derivative take on Jack Kirby uh, from a black perspective, but they've come up with an entirely different visual style to do this book that I think is really great. And it'll be really interesting because I think it's going to get a lot of controversy around it and discussion, which is, I think... What's it called again, Colin? It's called I Am Alfonso Jones. I Am Alfonso Jones. And it's coming out in uh, October from Lee and Lowe. Nice. Uh, And, of course, um, uh, the wonderful uh, Jessica Abel. Uh, The second volume of Trish Trash, Roller Girl of Mars, was out. So she was talking about that. Published by a Paper Cuts. And Alex Alice, um, uh, a French graphic novel artist. Uh, and the name of his book is slipping you know, away from me. You know, he has a ton of books. He's yes. actually done a lot of yes, books. He's like such an amazing artist. My apologies. Yeah. It's, it, the title of his book is... But they had a really discussion about how they approach what they're doing, working with... Uh, I mean, he he draws and writes, but he talked about how he goes about working with editors. So it was a real comprehensive look at how you work... Um, you know, how, how these artists work to present books. And, of course, uh, for Tony Medina, this was his first time writing a graphic novel. So that was interesting as well. Yeah. Um, he's done so many books, uh, Alex, Alice. Um, uh, he, let's see, Siegfried, he did, uh, here's the book that came out recently from Macmillan. 
let's see. Oh, yeah, he did 13, I think. That's but this was something, Stars of Something? or Castle in the Stars. Castle in the Stars. Which is kind yeah, of, yes. yes, which is incredible, beautiful yes. book, amazingly beautiful book. Yes. Um, so, and of course, I mean, the Brooklyn Book Festival has really just become the literary event uh, in um in New York City uh, and Brooklyn specifically, and the the, the the there are more comics publishers. In fact, many of the comics publishers are actually doing SBX and uh, yes, uh, the a Brooklyn lot Book of Festival. people are doing both. Yeah, um, they're getting on that freeway. Yeah, and they are uh, driving or taking the train. NBM was at um, S- SBX, mm-hmm. but they also had a table. So at was Jordan Quarterly. Jordan Quarterly, yeah, uh, and Ro- uh, Robert Sikoriak was there, and Leslie Stein. Uh, I saw them in uh, DC, yeah, and then I saw them again on uh, Sunday. Uh, Yasmin Omar Ada was doing yes. our yeah, oh yes, yes, and, yes, yeah. yeah. So, um, and from what I talked to, sales were good. In fact, Brooklyn Book Festival is turning into a really lucrative. And we talked with Peggy Burns from Drawn and Quarter, who says they she loves coming to the yeah. show. Yeah. So, uh, so the Brooklyn Book Festival uh, is definitely has embraced the graphic. Novel World, and a shout out to Meg Lemke, the chair of the Graphic Novel uh, Committee for the Book and Book Festival, uh, which also includes Carrie Green, Joan Hilty, and, you know, I do a little something too. Um, uh, they, they just put together a really terrific uh, pre- comics presentation. So, so, well, that's all behind us, and now looming ahead, New York Comic Con. Yes. <laughs> I can't believe it's a little over two weeks from now. It's, Coming right up. It is two weeks from now. Two weeks from this very time, we will be suffering. Yes. Well, actually, <laughs> I will be suffering. Yes. Uh, Kate will be suffering. Because we'll have a table, folks. You can find us. Yes. Meet us. Do a little FaceTime if you like. Uh, but New York Comic Con itself. So we've got a, a feature in this week's uh, magazine written by Rich uh, Scheibner, um, edited by Lil Me. Um, is it live on the website, Kevin? It is indeed live on the website, publishersweekly.com slash comics. Uh, so you can go there and check it out. Uh, new stuff, uh, Artist Alley is moving. There's a lot of construction going yeah, well, on there. You, you know, you, Rich did an amazing story that had so much information in it. But I, I do have to say, you yes. know, I saw that some of my leads were buried. You know, like I, when I did a story about your story, I puffed up some of the, yes. like the heartbreaking news that Artist Alley will be... That that new hall won't open until twenty twenty one. Oh my God, this is horrible. The humanity. Yeah, that that's not so great. Um, mm. uh, I agree. Um, but there's also they're adding the New York Public Library, and I think that's pretty significant. A day of professional programming aimed teachers and librarians. Yeah, so, absolutely. Is that during the convention? Cabinet, it is or during is it the convention. It, it's, um, it's all Thursday. Thursday. It's Thursday. A mm-hmm. lot is happening Thursday. Like there will be this New York Public Library programming. Um, or now you, this is a little, you have to have a professional's badge in order to get in, correct? They, professional badges get priority. Oh. You can get in, but if it's crowded, if it's a long line, yeah. you're on there. They they're going to pick and choose. <laughs> well, they're going to find out because, well, they were a little worried because they were getting inquiries from a lot of people. So, mm-hmm. uh, so they made it a uh, professional priority. So get there early. You're not if you're not an actual librarian right. or an actual right. teacher, get there early. You'll probably get in. Get there late. You might not get yeah. in. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, listen. We talked about how San, you know, this. I, I ran into the woman who's putting it together actually at. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. We talked a little bit. She is specifically inspired by TCAF's Librarian Day uh-huh. and by San Diego. Now has like yes. a four days. She has. Yeah. They, they go the whole show. Yeah. They yeah. Go the whole the whole track. And um, obviously, we've talked about how. At San Diego, it's in its third year. I mean, the first year nobody went. The second year, a few people went. This year, I, I seem to be, you know, pretty. I, I wasn't able to get over yeah, there. Yeah, well, so. I, I heard that attendance yeah. is, is growing. There you go. That said, I think at the New York Public Library, it's taking place at the Central Ball Branch with the Lions, mm-hmm. the famous one, Ghostbusters. Um, I think there'll be people. Yeah, I think so too. I think too. it's going to be pretty hard not to have people these be well attended. Now, I'm doing the opening eye. Yes, session. you've got the keynote. Yes, yeah. the keynote, which is, um, um, which I should know the names of the people. <laughs> I, I've got it here. If here you they go. Look. Yeah. If, no, you can even say who I'm doing. Uh, okay. You're going to have uh, Laurie Holtz Anderson. Yes. Um, right. Now, she, uh, she's a YA author. YA author. She's yeah. written an incredible Her novel's called Speak. Yes. Very, very, uh, mm-hmm. very influential. And yes. the fabulous Ngozi Kasser yes, so. of Czech, please. Now, be there. 
Now, despite the fact that I couldn't remember the names of the people on the panel, trust me, I will be so well prepared <laughs> for this because... This um, is going to be a great panel. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And uh, But later in the day... There's more, uh, yeah. There's, but there's, there's more. There's so much more at the library. But but also, you could read this all in our preview. Yes. Up online. Um, and also, Milton Greep and New York Comic Con oh, yes, are yes. teaming on another... He's got a new name this yeah. year. Insider right. Sessions. Insider Sessions. Yes. At, when are they? Uh, they are Thursday yeah. as well at, I think, 4 o'clock or 3 o'clock. So basically, you go to the library, then I'm going to race to Hudson Mercantile, where they're also having a bunch yes. of panels, yes, and yes, they're going to have Tony Hesey Coates and yes. a conversation with Brian Reynolds, so I really want to go to that, right? Uh, and Jason Reynolds. Jason Reynolds. Sorry yeah. about that. That's right. Very that's different. Right. Yes, I know. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's all five letters. I always go by the number of letters mm. in the name, but... Um, uh, yes. So they are in conversation, which should be great. And then we have the whole ICV too. So a week yes. from this is two weeks from today. We'll be doing this. Yes. So we're yes. recording. We so record lots Thursday. of stuff. Uh, yeah. But I, I have to say, I really just what we talked about is a fantastic day. Um, I, you know, ICV two is going to have Ashley Eckstein from her universe fashions as the keynote speaker, which I'm excited to hear. Mm -hmm. hear her and she's talk. also an accomplished voice actress. Yes, she is. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but she's a real entrepreneur who's really forged ahead in this, this space. And I'm really excited to hear her talk, but, um, you know, we've sat here over the years and we have, uh, complained quite a bit about New York Comic Con, uh, about their focus. And, you know, I think a lot of times we, we felt that the programming was really dumbed down, you know, and I have to say, this year the game has been upped quite a bit. Mm -hmm. There's a, an, you know, we're just talking about these offshoots, yeah. but at the con itself, there's a lot of really great, smart programming, great authors, great mm -hmm. comics. You know, it's really I'm actually looking forward. Yeah, it looks to, the to con. be looks to be very interesting. Yeah. Uh, uh, and go yeah, yeah. Kate. Sure. I I've always loved New York Comic Con, but I do think that the quality of the programming varies strongly year to year. Um, there have been great years. There have been years where I sort of look at the schedule and go, huh? Um, and I'm glad this year is looking up. Yeah. Yeah, it looks yeah. like it, it, this will be a strong yeah. year. And Kate uh, is a yeoman. She mans the table. Yeah. Uh, she yeah. is, that is the most horrible, yeah. unbearable thing of all time. So God bless her. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's why I right now sound tired. I love New York Comic Con with a passion. And, uh. but the thing is that I, I am the table runner. So uh, it's it's uh, a whole lot of unpaid work for me. So yeah. Uh, one other highlight I think we should all take note of, um, according to um, Jim Lee, co-publisher of DC Entertainment, they are going to launch and reveal the Milestone Media lineup. Yes. At um, at New York Comic Con, uh, as part of an event with um, um, uh, with Robert Kirkman. Who is you know who's put together this uh, the secret history of comics a documentary and they're going to look at milestone media uh, within the history of comics and supposedly there they're going to reveal the new slate of milestone um, the the forthcoming milestone lineup right. so that's uh, mark that on your calendar yeah yeah there's definitely um, supposedly they're going to talk more about their two lines that they keep not talking about but talking about. Uh, also, so yes, well, they, they yeah, keep the not telling clock, us anything yeah. useful about. Yeah. yeah, you mean the Doomsday Clock and uh, no, I mean like their new line of graphic novels, their oh. standalone line of graphic that they okay. heavily yes, hint yes, at. All of that's supposed to be there. Tell us nothing. Yes, that's supposed to be there too. So yes, yes so all of that. There. So lots of good stuff. So did we cover that? We covered the yeah, we um, the library. And now, yeah. somewhat less happy news, but it's a wonderful work of investigative reporting. Um, there was a great article that came out in Paste about the New Yorker Cartoon Bank, which was yeah. a thing I didn't even know. I mean, we, we talk about how the internet is really great for comics and helps people make money in new and innovative ways. Um, but sometimes old media is not as good at keeping up. Yeah. Well, do you want to... Yeah, well, it, it, well, it's really a it's really a depressing story about how um, Bob Mankoff, the the former cartoon editor of the New Yorker, he's now moved over to Esquire. But um, in the uh, what was it, the late nineties, he started this. He basically started um, a business where he created a database of rejected New Yorker cartoons and turned it into a fabulous business um, that made a lot of extra money for the cartoonists. 
um, in New Yorker. What he did was in '97, though he sold uh, sold it to the New Yorker when they hired him. Twenty years ago, by the way. Folks. Yeah, uh, and they, and they made him um, the president of it, so he continued to run the company. As it turns out, I interviewed him in 2004 when uh, the uh, the cartoon bait was really on a growth mode and really exploding. Um, it also had another aspect that the article didn't m- mention out. They did custom books aimed at really specific businesses where you could come and get a book about uh, comics about dentists or comics about, you know, right. living on the Upper East Side or whatever you wanted. And it sold, it, they weren't even available in bookstores. They sold they sold in bulk to different businesses who gave them away at corporate events. And, you know, what's amazing about this is he made money from nothing. Yes. He literally created a new revenue stream. And it was one that people were willing to pay. And, and... You know, if you look at the 90s, obviously he started it just as the internet was getting online. You know, you could say a lot of things about Bob Mankoff, but his um, pioneering understanding that the internet was going to fundamentally yes. change everything, you've got to give him a lot of credit for that. And and he had people willing to pay. Yeah. It's so hard to get people to pay for anything anymore. Absolutely. You know? Well, I think partly because he was aiming at a business client. Like, you know, Bob on the street doesn't pay 20 bucks to license a cartoon because what does he need to pay 20 license bucks to he license just a cartoon puts it up for? on his refrigerator yeah whatever but if you're a corporate client like that licensed rejected new yorker cartoon is a bargain yeah, yeah. absolutely well it seems what happened was eventually after he left or at a certain point um condi nas the parent company for the new yorker took over from it and they did what giant corporations always do they they have no respect for the creators they, uh, one of the things that Mankoff had was a proactive company with an aggressive marketing mm-hmm. aspect of it and who went out, sought business, and also provided customer service. And now they 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 basically tried to turn it to, to automate the service. They don't want Into to do it in. A website that doesn't even work A well. website that doesn't work. No one to, to really respond uh, to customers and no one to sell the cartoons. And as I mean, it's just depressing and it is, to read that the story. The sad thing is that, um, a, you know, cartoonists used to make real money. Yes. The guy who did the, yeah, the internet, no one knows you're a dog cartoon, would make $30,000 a year off of that one yes. single cartoon. Now people, they do still get paid, but yes, it's but like it's $700, you know, a month or so. I mean, it's really very low amounts of money. And, at this part, I kind of understand. It's like the New Yorker now takes a bigger cut of the money. All right, fair enough. You know, times change. But but how do you just abandon a business model? You know, it's just yeah, well, really sad well, to see a co- company of. And in that else. article, it makes the point that okay, great, you could have you could have changed the cut, but they're not providing any of the services. Yeah. Uh, they're not going out and selling this bank. Excuse Kate? me. Go ahead, Kate. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not just a like oh you know the big company against the little man. No, it's like this is a business that could be making you money. Not just your creators, but you too. And if Condé Nast put the just a little bit of the weight of Condé Nast behind that business in order to keep it going with the kind of uh, strength that it right. was before, Condé Nast would be making money, and God knows Condé Nast needs the money these days, right. and the creators could be still making money too. I mean, it's it's not a matter of of like little man versus business. It's a matter of like, this is bad business practice. It's bad for everyone. Right. And I, you know... If we talk at all about, you know, the, the subject matter of this podcast from day one has just been evolving business models because we're all kind of, you know, business you want. And you see this money going out of traditional media into new media. You know, I mean, we're not, we should probably go into this on a future podcast, but, you know, they just launched this Girls with Slingshots um, oh, Kickstarter yeah. mm-hmm. that's already at $125,000 after like four days. You know, <laughs> Girls with Slingshots is a four-panel comic strip, you yeah. know? I mean, this would have been <laughs> in the newspaper instead of Kathy, you know, yeah. had feed, editors been a little bit hipper and had newspapers survived disruption, you know? And I mean, it's still making good money. There is a lot of you know, the money is flowing. It's just flowing through so many different channels now. Mm-hmm. And when you see this channel that, that seemed to be in it for the long haul band, then it's very sad. Yeah, yes, it's it a business is. model that would still work now. But I thought very interesting at the end of the article is that the author of the article spoke with Manka. Mm-hmm. And he was, Manka yeah. said that he was looking into other business opportunities to do with licensing cartoons. Well, 
it, you know how I often throw a little tittle bit in here on the podcast that I wouldn't put in writing, but, you know, word on the street is that Mimi Mankoff left the New Yorker not of his own volition. Yeah. So, uh, and you can bet your bottom dollar that the guy at Paste might have had this story planted uh, by someone whose name might yeah. have rhymed with Schmabert Schmankoff. <laughs> but, um, so, That's you know. not a bad thing. Yes. Yeah. No, not but, at all. Not at all. Get uh, it out there. But um, I almost wonder, like, his old business model, there's nothing stopping him from picking nope. it up again with absolutely. the stuff that didn't get published no. in New Yorker before? There's absolutely nothing to stop him. Yeah. So I do sort of wonder if his thoughts are, are going in that direction, yeah. given the, like, or... It's dead, or is it? Ending yeah. to that article. Yeah. Well, good for him. I mean, good for Mankoff. It's like, you know, like I said, his sense of humor might have been a little inscrutable, but if you started a really good business model, go for go with God. Yeah, there you go. Well, you know, on the internet, no one can tell when you're dead. That's right. <laughs> uh, okay, so, um, That's okay. more to come on that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think there's been a lot of Euro Comics news. Yes, normally we don't have a lot of Euro Comics news. We look for it, we love it when we find it, but there's not a lot of it. But, I mean, but we still have more Euro comics news than a lot of American outlets to the point where um, a number of our listeners have said, you know, we love the Euro comics coverage. Give us more. Well, this week we have some, we have three items of Euro comics news. So we're just going to bundle it up into a Euro comics roundup. So, um, Titan Books, which is usually licensing British books, sometimes a few American things. And has been sprinkling in some Euro comics. Has finally stepped up and announced that they are going to have a dedicated Euro comics line, um, which is called Statics Press. Uh, yeah, Chris Thompson, formerly of Orbital Comics, is going to be uh, kind of the point man on that. And we've been in talks. He might even be a guest on this podcast yeah, in the near future. So, um, yeah. Yeah, some titles that are coming up are Chimera Brigade, Masked, Call, World War X, and Norman! Exclamation mark. Yeah, just worth pointing out that Titan is an English company, so they technically are Euro comics. However, they have a back catalog of the Franco-Belgian comics tradition yeah. that we think of. And so Statics is a way for them to kind of republish them, rebrand them, and, and um, you know put them out there. There's definitely a lot more interest... In Euro comics, as as the yeah, rest absolutely. of these news well, yeah, I, stories are going to reveal, but. I think Euro comics is a term we generally use specifically to re, to uh, refer to comics from non English speaking Europe. Right. I mean, British comics are kind of more part of the Anglosphere just because of shared language reasons. Right, absolutely. And, and we should remember also that you know Titan is a UK company, um, but their market is the US, and they publish quite a bit of of American focus. Of, Pop culture well, they, uh, materials. They they and it, excuse me. They publish on? both places. Yes, they do. Uh, but the U.S. is a real powerful market for them. Yeah. Uh, in addition, they also own um, Hard Case Crime imprint and the subsequent um, subsequent lost Hard Case Crime comics. And I did that interview with Charles Ardai earlier this year. That line also publishes quite a few um, yeah. European licensed uh, crime oriented comics. Beautifully done. So, yeah, so Titan Comics uh, in the news. Yes, and what's more, Humanoids, um, that stalwart of Euro comics published for the American market, is feeling sufficiently flush and creative to add a couple new lines to their lineup. Um, they're, they've announced they're launching this fall, Humanoids Kids, a new imprint specializing specifically in graphic novels for kids and young adults all Euro comics and um, slice of life, which is not aimed at kids. It's, it's more sort of real life memoir driven sort of more contemplative comics. Yeah. Yes. For an older, for an older. Yeah. I mean the word, you know, humanoids is usually synonymous with the Jodorowsky and Mobius and, yes. you know, all these kind of like the trippy comics. So the, having them for kids, it sounds a little unusual, yeah. but I'm sure they'll come and through. One of the, what, what they're doing in, in humanoids kids is also said publishing, publishing Jodorowsky's first kids comic too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, they're <laughs> Jodorowsky for kids. But yes. <laughs> well, but no, actually, you know what? A lot of kids love really bizarre, trippy stuff. <laughs> yes, I mean, have true. you, Listen to a fairy tale lately. I mean, 
I feel like you can definitely do bizarre, trippy things for kids as Witness Labyrinth. Yeah, and um, they, you know, kids will absolutely uh, absorb this as, as, you know, well. Like, they love Twin Peaks. <laughs> well, okay. They, they don't love Twin No, Peaks. they don't <laughs> love Twin Peaks. But if you made a cartoon that, uh, well, I mean, just look at any number of cartoons that are making it big these days on Cartoon Network. There's definitely room for absurdism and uh, surrealism in things for kids. And, and we look forward to their contributions to this. Absolutely. And, and then finally, uh, comics. This is part of New York Comic Con. We absolutely mm-hmm. forgot about a whole other um, uh, lineup of programming. Yeah, there's going to be the Comics Framed Festival. Um, there have been Euro Comics events sort of around New York Comic Con for a few years. They usually have a different name every year, so it doesn't have a lot of brand name recognition. This year it is being called Comics Framed. Um, I actually, because I've been always really busy with the booth, have not managed to attend um, these in the last years. Um, would you say this one's bigger than previous years? It well, seems like it, it is. Year. Well, they, they did, did it last, last year. year as well. And I would say it's about the same size. Like last mm-hmm. year, they had um, the team behind the, the failed Valerian movie was there, both the, the creator and the uh, director. But it wasn't failed yet. I, I know. Then we had such high hopes. It was very exciting and it's nice to see them there. You know, they, there's going to be, I am doing my tradition, I do a Euro Comics panel every year. I, I have guests from other elsewhere. Uh, but, you know, uh, Zepp is coming. Zepp is the creator of Tatuf, the most popular kids character in Europe, period. I mean, in the French-speaking world, Tatuf is like Bart Simpson or Dennis the Menace. And uh, Zepp is won the uh, Angoulême Grand Prix. I mean, he is like a worldwide superstar. He will be on my panel. Very I'm cool. so excited. Um, an honor to meet him. But anyway, you know, he is coming. Uh, does, who else? Uh, Fabian Nuri and Patricia Lifong. Um, Let's see. Uh, Alexis Sentinel. No, well, she's she, yes, she is local here now. But yes, um, she is. Uh, Alexis Sentinel, Mathieu Lafoy, Bunio, a lot of uh, there just is a really great array of events at Sighted Illustrators, Columbia yes. University, uh, out and about. So this is great. and part of the events at the uh, New York Public Library. Mm-hmm. Also. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. I had the great pleasure of interviewing uh, the great French graphic novel uh, artist uh, Francois Bouc. Uh, he's done numerous works with the American writer Jerome Turin. Um, he was there as part of Europe Comics and as part of, of kind of the Europe frame. Because they also had a big exhibition, I think, at Cooper Union. They did. That was time. fantastic. Yeah. And this year's uh, actually uh, 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 comics, French comics frames or European comics frames will be held at different. It's going to be mostly at the Javits Center. But there will also be events at Kenokonia, uh, in Brooklyn, um, uh, at, at the, the Society of Illustrators, so it's it's a it's a little mini festival within the. Uh, and you know, just to wrap a bow around all this, um, you know, New York Comic Con because it is out of space in the Javits. Why are Comic Cons always out of space? Um, <laughs> it's full of people. It is expanding out into the you know the world at large of New York City, and this year is even more than ever, and that's really great. I mean, this is becoming a really huge event yes. for the cultural year in New York, just you know, in general, and uh, that's exciting. To see. Yeah. I I okay. Now here's where. I'm going to kind of be a big downer. I think that if it's something that's officially a New York Comic Con ticketed event, as opposed to one of their like offshoots where you just buy a ticket to that event, you don't need a New York Comic Con pass. I feel like it should be closer because it's like if you're in the convention center, like it will take you half an hour to 45 minutes to actually get your butt in to see this thing. Like, everything's so sprawled out that it makes it really hard to see much of anything. Like, the distance really adds a lot of travel well, I, time. I think we're a little... I think we're a little jaded in some ways by that. Um, I mean, you know, New York is an incredibly compressed place. Um, but, you know, generally... Calvin, I mean, you've been to South by Southwest. I mean, you know, I mean, that event is kind of spread out around That's, the city. It's really spread yeah. out. Yeah. Um, I mean, like the hotels are like yeah. miles away, right? It's really, yeah, some of them are for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, in comparison, I mean, they, well, the fact is that they have no choice. They really want the, the week of New York Comic Con to really kind of em, um, embrace the whole city. In fact, it's interesting. I think the last quote in 
Rich's uh, feature is um, Mike Armstrong, who's really kind of the, the, day, the operational showrunner for, for New York Comic Con, saying, we want people to think the New York Comic Con is more than just the Javits Center. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Yeah, but I mean, I, I was talking specifically about the things that were New York Comic Con ticketed as opposed to New York Super Week, where they have all these different outpost well, events. They don't call you, it Super Week anymore. Or yeah, whatever yeah. they're calling it NYCC this year. Presents. NYCC Presents mm-hmm. Week. Whatever. Um, where you don't need to have a badge to get to all those. Right. You can buy a ticket just specifically. Yeah. I think that opens it up to the public a lot more. Well, yeah. I think... Yeah, but they are. They're doing but that. Most like of these, that. yeah. Most of these Euro, much of these comics framed events are free. Together. Yeah. Let's make that clear. Like yeah. the ones that are off site, most of them are free. Yeah. So it's a really great way if you did not get a ticket, yeah. because a lot of people didn't. If you want to experience some of what's going on, a lot of these events are off site and you will be able to get to them. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah there I should mean, be a guide somewhere of like well, the, things you can go to that are free. That well, you could probably go to the New York Comic Con website uh, because well, they do have an extent. <laughs> I could be wrong. I could be wrong about that. It's not that easy to find. Yes, I mean, you can find it over time by digging and be like, okay, here are 40 things. One of them's free. Um, but yeah, it'd be great that to have be a, a roundup. But it's all it's, it's all over the place, and some of them require, uh, some of them you need your NYCC badge, and some of them don't. So, yeah. um, uh, so. There anyway, you go. anyway. Well, there'll be more to come. We'll, yes. we'll be back from New York Comic Con with our usual uh, live uh, interviews. Yes. And, um, you know, from Stay the floor. tuned. So some of that, and then we'll be back afterwards with the exhausted wrap-up. So, yeah, uh, yeah more to come on that. Yeah, so. Okay. Um, well, we wanted to note the passing of uh, one of the comics greats, a Hall of Famer, uh, Len Wein, uh, the co-creator of Swamp Thing and a Wolverine. Um, and uh, many other characters, uh, really a mainstay of Marvel and DC in his life. Uh, one of the first, kind of one of the, the, the first fan generation creators. He and Marv Wolfman grew up together here in New York City. And as teenagers, they loved DC and they would just let these teens come up to the office and hang out, which of course sounds pretty appalling today, but uh, they so impressed the editors of the day that they were allowed to pitch a book of them went on to have amazing careers and uh, Lynn... It doesn't appall me. It sounds awesome. Yeah, I guess. I mean, you know, like there is a lot of people who have broken into comics as teenagers and uh, for better or worse, but most mostly better. Let's put it that way. But, uh, you know, Lynn went uh, to the West Coast as part of the animation move in the 80s. Uh, he was the editor of Disney Comics. I worked with him there actually for about three years. And, um, you know, knew him. Uh, he was loved. He was really one of a kind. I mean, I, I think on the West Coast, uh, you, you would be hard-pressed to find anyone who encapsulated the spirit of comics uh, more than Len. And, uh, you know, Paul Levitz on his Facebook page, uh, page, you know, Paul, former publisher of DC Comics, has written a lot of really nice tributes to Len and, um, you know, he was one of a kind. He, he laughed. I remember one time Len said uh, we were driving to lunch because he loved team building. Talk about your team building. You know, we were always going to lunch and there was nothing more Len liked than going to lunch and we would all just make jokes and stuff. And, you know, as the only woman <laughs> at Disney Comics, it was sometimes hard to get your jokes out there. <laughs> but I, as you might even tell for this podcast, I never, uh, I, I never said no. I butted my way in. But anyway, I remember one of my first days there that we went out and I made... Uh, <laughs> I made some joke that we had this artist named Yukov. Uh, he was from Finland, and there was some. He had long hair, so there was this guy who was walking along the street, and Len said, "That looks like Yuka," and I said, "It's a Yuka like," and he said, "That was very funny. There that you was go. good." And I knew I was in from that moment. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, you know, Len, we're gonna miss you. We're gonna miss you. And on that note, we'll move to the news briefs. Um, well, actually, we managed to have covered our news briefs as we spoke. So <laughs> we worked all of we our worked right them in. all right in. Oh, okay. They were, of course, uh, on to New York Comic Con. Yes. So there will be more to come. 